welcome back. We're here with episode nine. We're live from the Gold Coast in quarantine. And this is the third time that we have tried to record this intro. So we really want to do it. Yeah. And the last time was with the microphones off, of course, which pretty much sums up our entire day. Yes. Uh, I think everyone's been feeling the heaviness of the events that have been happening around us. I know I've been having anxiety nightmares like for the last three nights mm. about just about different random things, but it's all kind of just like culminating in this overwhelming pressure. Yeah. It feels like everywhere you look right now, there's just madness around coronavirus. And yeah. And it's hard to escape that. I woke up this morning feeling like I said to you, I think, how do I get out of this bubble? Mm. Like normally there are different things I can do that just kind of shift my perspective and make me feel a bit yeah. better. And, and well, we went for a swim in the ocean, yeah, which we normally yeah. do, but we were still even after that a bit like mm. it didn't completely shake it off. No. And so we decided the best thing to do for the podcast today would be to talk about bubbles uh, and all the different bubbles that we've had in our life. and. I know you found a definition of a bubble. Was yeah. that okay. something you want to share? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So in it's an article from The Atlantic. It's actually political-based, but I think it's a beautiful description. And it says, Living in bubbles is the natural state of affairs for human beings. People seek out similarities in their marriages, workplaces, neighborhoods, and peer groups. The preferred sociological term is homophily, not sure if I pronounced that right. <laughs> Similarity breeds affection and the implications are not all positive. White Americans have 90 times more white friends than they have black, Asian or Hispanic friends, according to one analysis from the Public Religion Research Institute. That's not a description of a few liberal elite cliques. It's a statistic describing the social networks of 200 million people. America is bubbles all the way down. Yeah. So basically, we all have these bubbles. You have your friend bubbles, your family, your work, maybe hobbies. There's can be several of them in your life. Mm -hmm. And we don't always realize what they are at all the time. But I feel like you and I especially have lived so many different lives almost that yeah. we're more conscious of the bubbles that we're in and how they've impacted us. Many different shapes and size bubbles. Yes. Um, and a lot of people, you hear that, you, you've heard it a lot about the idea of needing to escape your bubble. So I think when you say escape, sometimes it has like negative connotations and it yeah, makes me feel true. a bit judgy about like people who stay in their bubble. But either way is kind of fine. I think it just depends who you are. Well, I think so. You know, when people say, oh, I, I love chocolate or do I love chocolate or vanilla? Like the only reason you well, the only reason you know that you love chocolate or vanilla is because you've tried both. Yeah. Right. So. Yeah. So you've got to try the chocolate and vanilla bubbles of your life. <laughs> I love that analogy. And I feel like we have not just tried the chocolate and vanilla. We've tried the 31 Baskin Robbins. Yeah, taste flavors. the rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so one of the things I wanted to talk about was kind of go over some of the different bubbles that we've both experienced in, in our life. Yeah. yeah. I feel like one of our first bubbles was actually like our little neighborhood bubble. So we had... Um, these neighbors who lived beside us when we were younger, the Goodmans, and they had two boys who were the same age as us. And then we had Vicky and Mike who lived on the other side of us. And it was like this little neighborhood. Like like we had three backyards that were connected yeah, and, and there were all... like there were fences, but they built <laughs> brick stairs that went over the fences so we could climb into any of the three backyards that we wanted to. So it was just like a fantasy yeah. wonderland for and us. We had like dress up boxes and played Robin Hood and all these things. And it was it was a lovely little childhood bubble. Yeah, I remember feeling never feeling self-aware, never mm. thinking of myself as like an individual. Uh, yeah, yeah, like I was just having fun there, having yeah. adventure, eating chocolate chip banana muffins oh <laughs> and having the best time. And then actually, I think it was when I went to school. Right, yeah. or maybe it was grade one. I, that's when I think I had a lot of. I began to have a lot, have of, a lot issues of issues and like stuff. anxiety and stuff. And yeah. I had like horrible asthma, and mm. I was sick all the time, and all this stuff. But I do remember all of a sudden feeling like the other. Yeah. And I never felt like that before in my life. But when I was in this big classroom setting, and I don't, I don't remember that in junior and senior yeah. kindergarten or whatever. But there was something about grade one. Maybe it was because we had to sit at those not desks how to and process. Of, yeah. Oh my god! What was that story with you and the cake? 
Uh, that's not the story for this podcast. Fine, fine. <laughs> but I do actually have another story. I remember I loved this TV show called Swan's Crossing, which was this young oh, teen. Was that was Sarah Michelle Gellar. Yeah, it was a like a young teen soap opera, basically, that I recently looked up on YouTube, and mm. it is absolutely insane. <laughs> but I loved it, and there was this boy that I had the biggest crush on, and I would have been six, right? And I remember the I think it was in the schoolyard or something, and I went up to this girl that I already knew, yeah. and it was in grade one, and I remember imitating swan's crossing and i think i was like oh my god layla like my neighbor was on the bus and he was the hottest guy ever <laughs> or something like that and i remember her looking at me and just being like what <laughs> like, who are you like had no idea what i was talking about i was on a different planet in a different world which i was i was in swan's crossing <laughs> and that registered to me where i thought oh okay maybe i don't <laughs> fit not... into this bubble maybe i need to be in high school <laughs> no um so that was definitely one of the things i think i just was out of it i didn't get it i also like i had hearing issues and bad mm. asthma at the time and all this stuff so i just like wasn't there um and yeah so that really burst my my beautiful, beautiful like childhood yeah bubble. <laughs> childhood bubble and put me in the throes of education yeah. um So when I was doing some prep for this podcast, I was looking back to try and remember all the different bubbles that I've had in Mm. my life, right? And when I was writing down that list, I realized how many there are, (laughs) which was crazy, especially in my younger years, which you would think, oh, I was just going to like primary school, middle school, all that kind of stuff. But things really changed. School for like ten years or something too. Yeah, but I had huge bubble variations while I was there with different friend groups and going from not really well I always had friends but like not being popular to then all of a sudden in middle school being super popular for a bit and like a spice girl (laughs) and all that stuff um and then in high school having a really bad time and then switching to a different high school for my last year and having the most amazing time but what I realized in all of those aspects was and that was like kind of when I started to realize Mm. that lesson was that if I changed my friends or my school or my classroom I could change my entire life and that sometimes it was just the people I was around or the teacher I had or whatever that was just wasn't the right thing for me and Mm. so I started to really learn that lesson like and be able to early on yeah definitely and how also how in control I was Mm. of that situation yeah I think looking back on my bubbles like I know you used to always make fun of me when I was younger you'd be like you have a new best friend every year yes, <laughs> so I obviously had different bubbles that like I so I went to the gifted program when I was like eight or nine years old mm-hmm. and you can see how much of an influence that had on everyone in that bubble because literally I know like 30 people from there that are doctors and lawyers and, and like so many people who went to Harvard yeah too. so it's just like all my friends are actresses uh <laughs> artists <Creatives>. creatives yes <laughs> So it shows that your bubble can really impact what you end up doing, I think. Yes. And then... And then I went from my nerdy bubble to uni, which was kind of completely different. Because I went from gifted program where I'd been with the same people forever. They knew who I was. And like, I didn't have to think about I think it was a very safe environment. Yeah, it was very safe. And then I went to uni and it was just... Like all people from kind of small towns, I felt like they'd never seen a not white person sometimes. Um, and like there's this picture of me and the girls on my floor in first year, and it's literally like all blondes and me. <laughs> um, and it was, yeah, it was just very different. I think it was the first time I really felt kind of othered in a way because mm-hmm. when I was growing up, everyone knew that I was half Japanese, half Serbian. It was just like a known fact. But when I got to uni, people would be like, what are you like at the bar that was like the most common question that I would get from guys and I was Mm -hmm. like oh I didn't realize I had to like define myself in this bubble or like put myself into some sort of box and it was very I think it just made me feel very weird I didn't even realize until like after uni maybe like Mm -hmm. the full effect of that but yeah it was a very different bubble and one where I did not feel like I fit in at all and I think that was probably one of the first times in my life where I felt very out of place in that bubble and I would say it definitely was not did you know that you were in a bubble at the time or did you feel like that was I kind of feel like that that was was reality now part of life like I guess that was just life like Mm -hmm. I don't don't know if I even really thought about it it's just like yeah yeah 
I remember once I finished school, I ended up getting my dream job working for transcontinental media, <laughs> which doesn't exist any longer, but they were a publishing company that owned El Canada and Shad oh no. <laughs> Not Shadowing. There's a bunch of them. Canadian major. Living. Oh yeah. Canadian Salad Living. Home. All of these like really famous Canadian magazine brands. And this is when magazines were big. And so I got to enter the world of magazines. This is actually, I think, before the Devil Wears Prada. I think it was. As well. So it, it really was your dream come true because you were oh, always making magazines I when you were younger. Magazines. Yeah. yeah. So I started working there as a designer and I remember it felt it was a big building with so many people. It was a huge company, all these employees, everyone buzzing about a lot of energy and excitement. And I walked in and thought, oh, my God, like because all I'd ever wanted, actually, because I didn't like school ever and I would had a pretty bad time was to start working and be an yeah. adult and like have my own life. And when I entered that building and saw all these cool people doing amazing things, I, I was finally there. <laughs> and then they led me to a cubicle. I sat down in my cubicle. I looked at my computer and I did some design work and then I was like uh this oh, it okay <laughs> and then yeah basically I stayed there for three years made pretty much next to nothing mm. had amazing people there I loved yeah. like I I still keep in contact with a lot of people that I worked with there but that was definitely my first taste of yeah my next like real life adult world bubble and didn't really make sense to me like I didn't understand I didn't understand actually how the magazines worked like how yeah. the editors and the people so we all worked in digital on my team but the people who worked in print I remember I thought wow someone gets to spend a whole month working on like a a, a sofa buying article yeah. like how does that work <laughs> in digital if anyone who does digital work like the production is every day right yeah, and this was like um, and so obviously it didn't actually make sense because mm -hmm. now magazines don't really basically are, are yeah, not, yeah. not existing anymore. And, and a lot of those companies are closing down. But at the time, a lot of things didn't make sense to me, but I just had to accept them as they were. And I didn't yeah. really know no what else I could do. All. I could question it, but I wasn't going to do anything further with it. And I would just go every day and sit in my cubicle and wonder when the day was going to be over. Mm -hmm. But I still loved my job. and. I loved what I was doing, but I didn't think there was anything else. I didn't yeah, think well, there was, was any like other better job or bubble to go into next after uni. And yeah, like, and that was my dream too to do that. Yeah, I feel like my first job. So my first job was at Hillroy, and it was um, a paper company. If you're Canadian, you know it. You've definitely like traced it in your notebook at some point. Um, and it was basically like the office because <laughs> it's a yes. paper company. But it was again, it was like really lovely people. They were super nice. But I was 22. And working in this office where I think the average person was 40 or older. And there were people who had been working in the factory for like 60 years. There's this thing where... 60 years? Yeah. Like they've been there forever. I don't what? know. Maybe they weren't that old. But it seemed like... <laughs> I, think was, I think there were actually some that had been there for 50 years though. Oh my God. Um, and yeah. So it was just like... I was like, what is this bubble? And I like... I did like it was really nice. It was a great first job, but I just couldn't see myself there forever. And I was like, I need out of this bubble. And that's basically why I ended up going to law school. Another bubble. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. So then I spent a few years, like most of my 20s in Toronto, in a relationship, living with my partner and working. And I was miserable. <laughs> I was pretty miserable. And it I think was you were always searching for yeah I so I was in these situations I kept getting into the situations I wanted to be in yeah right so I was at the job I wanted to be at I had the partner I wanted to have we were living in this great apartment like everything was what I want what I you thought had I all wanted. the things you were supposed to have yeah to like have your dream life but it, I just never felt like I was actually in it. And it mm. didn't ever feel like what I thought it was supposed to feel like. Yeah. And I would look around at everyone around me, like the women at work and who I really looked up to. And I was trying, I tried to emulate them and hope that at some point it would feel like it was my real life yeah. or like it was, I was in it, not just watching yeah. it. I always felt like I was watching yeah. life around me rather than actually being in it. I think it's because you weren't, feeling the feelings you thought you were supposed to feel having mm -hmm. attained all that stuff and so i thought well i just need to make more money yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> that's really what I And thought. you're like, oh, I need better clothes. I need more things. Like, yeah. And if I keep doing that, yeah. then at some point it's going to feel more real. Yeah. So I did. I ended up quitting my job, going freelance, mm. doing this kind of really exciting Which thing. Which was like a huge risk at that time. Yeah. Like now it's pretty was, normal. Yeah. But back then it was not. No. The, yeah. Nobody was really doing that in that way. Uh, and and I ended up having a huge pay increase, uh, mm. working less hours, being the manager of my own time. And still, I was still searching. I still yeah. felt like I, it wasn't adequate. And yeah, so I would do all these courses. I did a sewing course. I did, we played soccer. We started a blog. Oh yeah, we started a fashion blog. Yeah. We did so much stuff. And yeah, never felt right. And how did you feel like you wanted to escape that bubble at that point? Or was that? I didn't even know it was a thing. So that yeah. was when I went to Australia. Mm. I actually know I got this job that I thought would be the dream Your job that would solve that. everything. Mm-hmm. And it, I got to be this art director. And I don't know if I talked about this in the first podcast, but I think so. Then uh, it was for like an e-commerce fashion website. And I got to like art direct photo, um, photo shoots yeah. with models and do all of that kind of fancy stuff that I thought would be the thing that would make me happy and I hated it so much and I went home I think that was the most stressed every day like yeah it was so bad I was on the verge of a breakdown Mm -hmm. I think and then my best friend asked me if I wanted to go to Australia with her and we had all these Australian friends from like years ago when we'd been living in Greece for the summer so I agreed to go and I quit my job because I couldn't take that much time off otherwise. <laughs> and then we went for three weeks to Australia. And when I got to Australia, it was like light bulb moment. I felt like my mind was blown open. Yeah. I remember landing in Sydney at Central Station, which if anyone knows what Central Station is like. <laughs> and we got outside the train and I just looked up at the sky and it was blue and the mm. sun was shining and the air felt fresh. And I just was like, this is heaven (laughs) this is without even seeing a beach yet so yeah that was me bursting out of the bubble and going to Australia I never at that time thought that I would live there I didn't think that that was even an option I literally just went went around um, talked to as many Australians as I could and tried to see if life was really as good as it seemed for them because to me life there made sense that was a place and Mm. one of the first places that I went to where I was like this is life. This is how yeah, living should this is be. This a good life. And I had never found that anywhere that I had gone. And even when I was younger and I'd done those, I'd done two, I did two summers in Greece with mm. my friends during uni and it was just like fun parties and yeah. like, yeah, just, just like fun uni kind of anti- an- antics. And I would be so ecstatically happy the whole summer. And then when I'd have to come home, I'd be so depressed. Uh, and the reason, a big reason was because I always knew that the happiness was fleeting and I couldn't Mm. hold on to that feeling and I'd found a kind of paradise but it was a paradise that wasn't sustainable and I knew that even at 18 or whatever that was and I thought well that's it Alex at least you had it for a little bit even if you can't have it forever and when I eight years later or something like that when I got to Australia and I got to Sydney I was like maybe I can't have it forever this is a sustainable happiness (laughs) so yeah that kind of really revved things up and it was the catalyst like the that kind of sparked the rest of the change for the rest of my life so that really opened up my world to the idea of other bubbles and this was like the yeah. land down under so it felt like yeah you just yeah. shake the whole world upside down and you can find this other thing well, underneath. i think it's also easier to envision the bubbles when you're actually thinking of a completely separate location too it's like yes, a real definitely like, and yeah. you can feel that difference mm. as soon as you step down uh, and since then, I've had so many other bubbles. You've had some of the, mm. you've had your own different ones yeah. and then the same ones as me as well. So it's been Costa Rica. And then when I had to work on a farm in Australia, uh, moving and living in Bondi and then living in Changu in Bali. And after that, now uh, the Gold Coast bubble. I feel like we really were very particular about our bubble when we moved here, for sure. Definitely. Um, but I wanted to ask you. I had like just a few little questions about <laughs> our bubble history past. Okay. So what was your least favorite bubble that you were in? I think I would probably say my uni bubble. I feel like my uni bubble was just a haze of like 
not really understanding anything that was happening. I drank a lot because that's well, what and everyone also, did. Also, all of the clubs and stuff were in strip malls. Yeah, they were. I remember that. <laughs> like, that's also why I never thought I wanted to live in a small town because small towns in, like, Ontario are just it seems so depressing. Yeah. Yeah, just depressing. And you I also just had a wall of vodka bottles. I remember being I shocked. Did. Yeah. <laughs> we, just, okay. we just drank a lot. But, like, in Union Canada, too, it's just winter for most of the time. So it's like, all you do is study day. and drink and be hungover and. Like, I definitely was influenced by people around me, but that was the first time I lived away from home. And, like, what else do you do? You follow mm. what, what everyone else is doing. <laughs> yeah, but I just feel like I was very lost at that point and probably just depressed from drinking so much alcohol all the time. Yeah, it's a vicious cycle. <laughs> okay, and then what's been your favorite bubble? Ooh. Your most favorite bubble? Yeah, that's a hard one. Maybe, okay, what bubble gave you the most growth? What was the biggest oh. eye-opener for you? I think that would definitely be Costa Rica. Oh, yeah. Because okay. it was, like, the most different. I think for me, too, it's, like, I was in law school at the time when I first went to Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. So I was in my law school bubble that was, like, crazy type A, like, oh, my God, you need to get a job on Bay Street and make, like, 200K a year. And, like, it was just, like, study, study, intense, compare yourself to everyone, like, feel like you're in debt. Like, it was just the most intense bubble you could be in. And then I went to Costa Rica and was, like, Sitting in a like cafe that was playing reggae, like with palm <laughs> trees swaying in the breeze, and like Hot, hearing this like heat. yeah, beautiful like Spanish around me everywhere, and like it, it was just like such a contrast of bubbles, and it's so funny because in the law school bubble, I was like, oh no, I'm, I'm not corporate enough, I'm not this enough, and then I got to Costa Rica and I was like, oh, I'm like too much of a corporate sellout, like what? Is it? So it's yeah. just like it really showed me the difference and like how you think when you're in different like bubbles in that way and i was like oh but which also one? how you adjust yeah so you, you will even if you're you don't want to be like the bubble that you're in and the it's way that hard the, not to judge at yourself. some point you yeah. start to more more towards that it just Definitely. makes life easier so it's one of those things you kind of have to watch out for and make sure that you are in the environment that you want to be in because your environment will shape you yeah. no matter how much will you have i was definitely trying to find the balance there because like i was sitting in a in the cafe there being like oh i have to apply to all these like law jobs for the summer and it was just such a juxtaposition almost where i was like what is my life do i want these jobs do i want to like be a bum traveling around costa rica like doing nothing like and what did you end up applying for i i think oh i (laughs) i ended up not getting a job that summer and just going to Costa Rica for the summer. <laughs> I thought you had a law job in Costa Rica though. Oh yeah, I did get a law job in Costa Rica. I worked <laughs> for a law firm for like a bit. But um yeah, I, I was just that was it pretty was, cool. You yeah, found a way it to was bring the compromise. The, yeah. And I taught English and yeah, it was very it's it's good to like burst your bubbles and kind of see where you land you sometimes. found a way mm. to still engage yourself with law school yeah. but do it by your own rules yeah Yeah. i thought was pretty cool what about you what do you like is there a bubble that you burst oh (laughs) so many bubbles i burst um yeah well like what i said going from toronto to australia Mm. on that visit and then actually for me it was costa rica too would have been well no i mean australia was huge but costa rica like was just so different than anything like i'd ever experienced and it was right after i'd broken up with my ex it was christmas was coming up i was depressed i was going to be at home freelancing in the middle of the winter in toronto and i remember tori saying we just need to get away and do like just go somewhere hot and sunny and so we picked like the cheapest place that had flights going that wasn't an all-inclusive and that was costa rica and I was terrified of going because I thought it was a third world country. I didn't even bring my computer. I'd never been anywhere like that. I was so naive. We landed there, had literally the best week of our entire lives at that point. Yeah. Uh, questioned every decision we'd ever made. <laughs> thought about moving there. Yeah. Uh, I came home for one week and then I went back and I basically was there for almost a year after that. And it just blew my mind. Everything was completely different. It was different. almost like it was like a technicolor bubble and your other bubble had been black and white. Yeah. So, and yeah. yeah, as you were saying before, everything that mattered back home didn't matter mm-hmm. there. No one would ever ask me, what do you do there? That was just not even a, a topic of conversation. 
Whereas in Toronto, that's kind of all that mattered. And yeah. I remember when I'd answer, oh, I'm a digital designer, a graphic designer, or whatever it was at the time. Yeah. I never felt like that was it, really who Yeah, you like were. it described yeah. me. And actually, when I was in Costa Rica, and people would ask, like, oh, like, who are you? Or, like, what's your story? And I would reach for something to describe myself as. And I remember being like, oh, I'm from really? Toronto, <laughs> and I'm a designer. Like, but I was like, that's not me. Like, that doesn't describe my soul. I that think doesn't that's describe a really my good, drive. Like, like example of you having to question your bubble and realize that it was defining you, and be yeah. like, wait, that isn't what I want to and define all me. All the things that I was working mm. hard to create that definition in yeah. Toronto. Like the reason why it never sat well was because I just didn't really care about those yeah. things. And so, but those are the things that are, that were important there. And then when I went somewhere else where those things weren't important, I didn't need to work so hard to be those things. And I, yeah. And, and that freed me up to start to understand who I was yeah. like in a totally different setting. I think it's interesting because it, I think it can be really hard for a lot of people to let go of those defining things from your bubble. Cause it's like what you've lived your whole life by sometimes. And yeah. it's like that structure that some people crave, but. Well, I think also if you like your yeah, life and like what you true. do and I like I do like what I do. I still yeah. do a, like a evolution of the same thing. But I didn't like the structure. No. Yeah. So Costa Rica was the thing that made me realize that I could choose the bubble. Mm. It made me realize, first of all, that I had been in a bubble yeah. and that the things that were important there were not necessarily important everywhere else. Mm. and that I could choose the bubble that I wanted to be in. And even though Costa Rica was so entrenched in my heart, mm. I knew that it wasn't the place I could stay in forever. Yeah. It was a little too wild for me in some mm. ways and too unstable. So I knew I needed a mix of both those things. And that's when I realized that Australia was, was the right place for yeah. me. I feel almost the same about Bondi and like moving up here like Bondi has such a place in my heart and like Sydney and I loved it so much and it's such a great bubble like we call it the Bondi bubble everybody call it that's yeah. what people in Sydney call it is the Bondi bubble because you end up staying there because there's everything there there's the beach there's shops there's friends like it's lovely like I went back the other weekend and I literally was walking down the street and I hear someone yell Tori from their balcony <laughs> and it was like our friend Alberto and you just run into everyone you know and it is really nice there's also this crazy oh sorry yeah there's also this crazy effect when you're driving in, like if you're driving down Bondi mm. Road and you're entering the bubble, you literally feel this energy rising. Yeah. Like there's so much going on there. It's so much is happening and it's really infectious. Yeah, it's really fun. But it's also like not something you can always do forever. Like we did want a bit more of a, a laid back life and just like more space. And it, I think it was like a big step for us in a way to move from the Bondi bubble because it is such a nice bubble and it's one of those things where people are like, oh, you need another bubble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. And yeah, now here we are in our Gold Coast bubble. I feel like it's been a real like incubator for us here. Yeah, and that's why it's been interesting with the coronavirus and mm. all of this kind of stuff because this has been such a beautiful, safe space for us for the last eight months, is mm. it now? Where it's kind of like a lot of our dreams have been coming true and the seeds that we've been sowing for the last yeah. like five to six years are all ripening and <laughs> sprouting. And yeah, and now it feels, it just feels very invasive, everything that's happening. Yeah. And today when I felt really panicky in the morning and we went out, we went down for a little dip. Um, I was telling Tori what my anxieties were and then we went and sat down on the sand and she was talking to me and I was feeling like so tight in my chest mm. and I was looking at her face and I thought wait a minute like we're sitting on the sand mm. the sky's blue the ocean is like loud and wild and the sun is shining like how am I anxious how is this a scary world yeah. how is all of this bad stuff happening when in some ways there's so many things that are the same and are so mm. beautiful and like wonderful right in this moment yeah. like it's a very surreal feeling though like you the streets are a bit emptier like I was saying before I feel like it almost does feel like the beginning of like a zombie apocalypse movie in that way so it's hard not to let that get into you yeah but uh, it's like 
how do we strengthen the feeling of the present moment Mm. not in the present moment when you're in the grocery store and it's gay but (laughs) the present moment of like you and i are here right now sitting at our kitchen table with these beautiful soft lights we have candles lit we have some crystals out and this is a perfect moment as it is Mm. so why do we have to feel fear in that moment and it that's not a disservice to what's happening but more so you don't have to carry it inside you at at every moment and yeah and also i think the big thing is to find a way to step outside of this fear bubble Mm. every once in a while and that doesn't mean to not be safe or or like be disrespectful of what's going on but that you don't need to you just have to remember that we're in a bubble now but it's a really big one (laughs) it's a really heavy one like a global bubble it's covering the whole world at the moment today i had an appointment and when i went in the woman said oh do you have any updates i haven't seen the news like in a few hours and i had this immediate panic where i was like oh no i I don't know what all the updates are because <laughs> I've been trying to avoid the news because it had been because I've been having that anxiety. Yeah. And then I thought, oh, God, like, can so many things really change in a few hours? Yeah. Like, and, and how if we're drip feeding ourselves like these kind of <laughs> fear things every moment, mm. it just builds and builds and builds. It does. Well, and obviously there's like your social media bubble, too, that's going to be impacting the time. Um, but yeah, I think with all of this, it is that idea that like you do generally have control over your bubble and you can kind of decide what you let in, who you let in. And there's only so much you can do at this time right now. Like if you're following the general rules and like trying yeah. to be responsible, that's kind of all you can do. And feeding yourself all that information constantly is not really helpful. It's not really healthy either. Yeah. And so I worked for a big uh, media company last year doing a contract like probably the biggest one i think in australia and i was privy to a big company-wide meeting where they went through all the different updates for each different uh like publication that they had and the news publication came out and to say that they'd had a record month and that they'd had i don't know 10 million views or something like that that month or not views but i guess visit unique visitors or something Mm. like that and they said their best story was, I, f- I think it was a Michael Jackson, like, pedophile drama oh, or something. And then they're like, and our second best story was some awful car crash where there were a bunch of kids involved. Like, <laughs> and you could see when the woman was reporting what had made them do so successfully that month, she had a little bit of, mm, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and this was the next best thing. And then they were like, okay, and let's hope for more tragedies yeah and there was a a joke of it you know they don't really want those things to happen but that's also what makes their job work and that's what gives them things to write about and that's what makes people go and click and read that kind of stuff so i know even our parents i think are a bit addicted to the news like we grew up watching the news constantly every night like you go home and the news is on and we have the newspaper in the morning Mm. we read the newspaper but it just creates this constant like it's like this low level buzz i think of like fear and like yeah it makes you always it, worried about what it shapes happen. the walls around yeah. you and makes you feel like you're in this house that you, you don't oh want to be in and you don't even realize you've built these walls before no. they're there and then you're trapped okay i have a question for you mm-hmm. right now if you could escape into any other bubble Ooh. and just try it out like it could be like celebrity or anything what what bubble would you like want to try any, out? Any bubble any you can kind think of, like, of. Yeah. I think the thing that I still think about now is kind of that Costa Rica bubble. Mm. Even though I, at the time, knew it was too... Not sustainable? Yeah, mm. not sustainable, mm. like, as a long-term life. Like, And it's not Costa Rica per se, but just more that idea of living somewhere that is really tropical mm. and really slow yeah. and where the work that you do isn't in an office. Yeah. And I still feel like I have that kind of. Oh, definitely. Cause you just sent me that article about or a comment from someone who moved to the Tiwi islands. In oh Australia. Yeah. yeah. I read uh, this thing about this woman who yeah moved to the Tiwi islands to be a teacher 
and she just said it was the best decision she'd ever made. So she went from Melbourne to the TV Islands, which is a tiny little tiny. island north of Darwin, I yeah, think. Yeah, I think. And yeah, that kind of a thing, I feel like it's a real adventure, like something yeah. really different like that. Like I'd love to go in the Northern Territories or do something. Do something yeah, yeah, something very opposite I to think that would what be my amazing. life is. Yeah. That would be really, I think that would really shift your perspective and actually like that would be like a real bubble switch uh, well I also think I'm more ready for it now too mm. so at the time when I was in Costa Rica and had that experience it was such a big change yeah. and it really took a lot of adjusting and and I just wasn't ready in mm. the same way whereas now I just have so much more experience and I know myself so much better and I I'm so capable at taking care of myself yeah. so yeah it would just be very different what about you? Oh, now that you said that one, I'm like, oh, <laughs> that sounds one that you really good. About. But I was also saying, I feel like it would be kind of fun to like try a Hollywood bubble. Yeah. <laughs> and like, maybe like, be which a Hollywood? Maybe be like a Kardashian oh. for a day and see what that's really like. Oh, well, I think but it might be a, a bit mini Kardashian. Yeah. Or like, join the Real Housewives cast or something. I don't even <laughs> watch the Real Housewives, but I think it would just be like, really entertaining live in a big mansion and like so different from anything i would normally do like yes, i think it's just definitely like life on the other side and like i think <laughs> it would probably make me appreciate my life more <laughs> i think so too i think all of those things are yeah. like i don't think i'd want to do what i just talked about yeah, forever yeah. but like i actually just love our gold coast bubble i love where mm -hmm. we live i think this is the best place for us to yeah. have home base um but yeah, I, I think it just is really important. I remember I used to read it was a blogger or something way back when, and she said that she moved somewhere different every four years. Mm. And I thought, wow, yeah. <laughs> that's so interesting. Yeah. I don't think I could do that long, like ongoing, no. but it, it would really make you constantly reframe your life and your perspective in a Definitely. really wonderful way, I think. Yeah. I think I'm ready to feel settled down. Okay, now I want to talk about one of our favorite bubbles that we're not actually in, but we love watching. Are you sure we weren't in it? <laughs> we, we were dedicated to it. So when we first moved here and didn't have any friends, Love Island was basically our oh. friend, and we basically inserted ourselves into that bubble. Not the most recent Love Island, which no. was actually really boring, but the one before with Molly and Tommy and mm, that the British one. Yeah. yeah, and the British one. It was just, it was like heaven. <laughs> but we tried to dissect why were we so into it. And I think, because that was the ultimate bubble. But mm. the ultimate bubble of like warmth and happiness. And it was this group of people in an isolated environment where all of their, most of their stresses were taken away, yeah. I guess. And they had all these comforts. And then they were in a group of pretty like-minded people, I guess. So um, that were their social peers. And all they had to do was find love. Yeah. And I think it was just interesting to watch them work through all of their all of their issues. Yeah. I loved seeing all the, the guys bond too. I think they oh, were so, so cute. cute. Like and just so funny. And it like you see with those shows of Love Island, like when people come off those shows, they always mm -hmm. a lot of them remain friends and I think it's a really big adjustment going back Definitely. into their regular bubble from the Love Island bubble. Yeah. And that's why there's also been the, uh, I don't know if this is exactly why, but I could see how yeah. it would be that there are, there have been, um, sorry, <laughs> that there have been multiple suicides after the yeah. show. Because if you went from this, like a very safe, really loving, safe, controlled yeah. environment and where you were, yeah, and you had a lot of attention and, and care. And you're just allowed to like explore and make friends and like it is like kind of like an adult summer camp but in the best way where you're just like living your best life yeah and then that transition back after is just really tough mm. i think it's similar to like professional athletes where they like have their oh, yeah, glory days yeah i've listened to a then, lot of podcasts about yeah it. and then they have to stop playing at like 30 or whatever and then they don't know what to do with themselves listening to some of the famous swimmers in australia mm. female swimmers and they were talking about how because you have your coaches you have like some someone for every part of yeah. your like everything that you do physically and <laughs> and um in terms of eating in terms of everything mm. was completely scheduled like your entire day is scheduled every day and you just have that one focus yeah. and your body is supposed to perform and then all of a sudden you retire 
person, you don't know what to eat, you don't know how to schedule your time, you literally just don't know, like you're just spun out. Mm. And also I think it's the same thing with people who come back from war and they have their like group and they have that like crazy bond with them and they have a purpose and it's that bubble and then you come back to real life and you're like, oh, what? Yeah. And so I think the way to, I was going to say avoid, but obviously it's not avoid, it's more address that and be better equipped to deal Mm. with those kinds of changes is to choose different bubbles to enter during your lifetime and make those choices to actively seek out different bubbles Mm. try different things and know that you can always go back to your your home-based bubble that makes you feel safer if it does and all those kinds of things i think it's yeah knowing that there's kind of never-ending bubbles out there (laughs) bubbles 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 Anyway, so I wanted to say, um, so there's all these bubbles, right? Like your friends are a bubble. Oh, there was that study about, I think, you know, if you've got fat friends, you're more, more likely to yeah. be fat. If you have fit friends, you're more likely to be fit. You know, the, those are the things that yeah, surround you and by... influence you. Um, your school is a bubble. Your work is a bubble. Your neighborhood is a bubble. Your political party is a bubble. Your news feed is a big bubble. Your Instagram is a bubble. Your Facebook is a bubble. Your gym, yoga studio, whatever is a bubble. Your family is a bubble, but usually one that's a lot harder to yeah. pop. To pop. <laughs> um, and yeah, and basically become a professional bubble hacker. Definitely. <laughs> Why not? That sounds Make like as many bubbles profession. as you can. <laughs> yeah. And just enjoy your life. Seek out adventures. I think a lot of it's like, yeah, not taking it too seriously and knowing you can go from bubble to bubble and try things and they're always there. And I have a quote to finish off the episode. Like bubbles on the sea of matter born, they rise, they break, and to that sea return. Oh, that's <laughs> no, that makes sense, but it like got it down. It sounds lovely. And wait, one more quote. Don't let anyone burst your bubble unless you want it to be burst. Ooh, that's an important one. Yeah. <laughs> so stay tuned for the woo-woo part of the podcast coming up next. Welcome to the woo-woo portion of the pod. So today the card that we have pulled is Healing Heart. Can you describe it for us, Alex? Yeah, I think this is so appropriate for everything that we've just been talking about. The card is two mermaids with tan skin and dark long hair. Pretty much accurately describes (laughs) us. It looks like exactly what we looked like this morning in the water, except we are not face down with a bunch of salty waves in our face. Um, We look very gracious and... Yeah, it, they're both touching each other's hearts. Okay, I'm going to read the description. So you're a powerful healer. Keep up the great work. Deep within your heart, you're aware of your healing abilities. Perhaps you've received feedback from others about the way that your words or touch have helped them heal. By drawing this card, you're urged to take your healing work to the next level. You're also asked to purify your diet and thoughts so that the higher frequencies of healing energy can flow through you. By opening to the next level, you'll notice a shift in the people or situations that come to you for help. You may find the number of healing opportunities increasing, or your clients may display a greater understanding of spirituality. Heaven wishes to support your healing work completely. If you'd like to further your education, work in a healing center, or increase your income, just ask, and then be open to receiving. Well, that sounds a bit specific, but I think in general for this podcast and what we've been talking about, I think it kind of goes with the fact that if you kind of try and cultivate that positive energy and stay away from the hysteria and like the fear mongering, feed into the love, not into the fear, you can help spread that. And like Mm -hmm. that's the healing energy that we all have. And you and me sitting in a bed of water with our mermaid tails. (laughs) Oh, we have some unfinished business from last podcast. We have some feedback from our last (laughs) podcast. One of our friends wrote us and said, about love is blind. Damien? <laughs> really? Damien? <laughs> and he basically said that if he had to choose one of the guys, he's also straight. 
Um, <laughs> he would choose Barnett because Barnett has all the qualities you would want in someone. He's just a little bit of a frat boy. Yeah, he's too frat boy for me. He just reminds me of like every guy from my UD. Yeah, and not in honestly, a good way. his humor was just that was no. like the biggest turnoff for me. I feel like his humor was like an eight-year-old boy on the playground being like, "No, I hair. think an eight-year-old boy would be funny." <laughs> Barnett's humor was like, "What even was it? Like weird sexual in- innuendos yeah, I that they would I like think I a bad like, character in American Pie would have said yeah. that would have been a character to make fun of." Yeah, that's what I was just like, "Oh God!" Um, and his name is Barnett, but that's not even his actor that's just his last yeah whereas i don't it's not that i like damien i but he seemed like the biggest seemed like a man and i he thought seemed like he was himself sort of or like kind of knew himself in some way maybe i also feel like yeah he was on a search or he was trying to like learn more about himself yeah and i think he really did try with Yanini. Yanini. I never know how to say her name. He did actually try and work through things, which I was like, okay. Well, and the fact that they're still together, too. Yeah. It's almost a more realistic relationship, relationship in some ways. Yeah. And then the other guys, like, Kenny? I just don't even they? remember who he was. Cameron, I think Warren's the good part of that relationship. I think yeah. he was kind of, I don't know, he didn't go very much. Well, Mark. <laughs> to you. Yeah. <laughs> to me, personally. <laughs> Um, I know you kind of like Mark, but he was who's Mark? Just younger, oh, the younger yeah. Guy. He he had like a something to him, definitely more so than a lot of the other guys. Yeah, he had a bit of a personality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Damien. Yeah, I stick by that. I stick by that too. And now we're gonna do something a little bit different tonight. I'm going to read out a meditation. So if you can, just relax. Close your eyes down. And just start to sink into your breath. Now take the time to notice your body and how it feels. Notice how your energy runs through it, which parts feel light, and which parts feel heavy. Take a moment and feel yourself in your body. Now feel yourself float up and out above your body, hovering above. Look down at your body, lying peacefully beneath you. Float up higher now, through the ceiling, up above. Take a moment and notice the glint of dark waves crashing along the shore. The sand still so white and visible. The neighborhood so still and quiet. Float up higher this time. Feel the air breezing past you till you can see all of the city beneath you. The bright lights glistening in the dark. The city still awake. The cars are little dots lining the street. Float up even higher now. The sight beneath you expanding out as the earth starts to grow smaller and smaller as you float up into space. So light like a balloon. You see the earth, bright and glowing beneath you. So beautiful, so perfect, so fragile. You start to see the stars in your peripheral vision, almost glistening in this vast, expansive sky. You float higher. You feel this soft, luminous light glowing around you. It touches the side of your cheeks, the back of your head, your hands, your whole body. The light filters through you, filling you with its soft, pale, shining light. 
you realize it's the light of the moon bathing over and into you, filling you with a serene calm. It feels so peaceful, so quiet, and so clean. Infused with its essence, vibrating with its magic, you begin to float back down, rapidly, faster than you came up, shining oh so bright. You feel the air through your hair, through your being, as you see your body beneath you again, and begin to sink back down into it, sinking down so much that you feel yourself sink a little into the floor beneath you. You feel your heart beating. You feel your breath as one. And from within you, beaming out, is your beautiful shining light. And now we're going to finish with our favorite mantra. Mm. Om Asatoma Sat Gamaya Tamasoma Joyti Gamaya Vichorma Amritam Gamaya Om Asatoma Sat Gamaya Tamasoma Joyti Gamaya Vichorma Amritam Gamaya Om Asatoma Sat Gamaya Tamasoma Joyti Gamaya Vichorma Amritam Gamaya Good night, guys. We love you. Namaste. Mwah.